Welcome into episode five of Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. I'm Nate Rohr, the play-by-play voice for Nebraska softball on the radio, joined by Hale Varsity's Marin Angus Combs. And call this the April Fooled edition of the Behind the Plate podcast because we got a lot of shuffling going on in our power rankings. Also, I think I'm going to get a little bit of crow or Hawkeye served to me today after the Hawks split with Nebraska. Later. Later. (laughs) And they also take a game from Northwestern, which is pretty impressive. Nebraska will be heading out to Maryland this week, and so we'll chat with the Terps head coach, uh, Mark Montgomery, and talk about how he has rebuilt that program at Maryland. The Terps had really gone through a rough patch, but he's gotten them back on solid footing, and should be a big time weekend between the Huskers and the Terps out near our nation's capital. But we'll start with some chatter about the Nebraska Cornhuskers. NU two and three last weekend. They go out to Iowa. They split that doubleheader. Uh, the Hawkeyes capture game one by a final score of four to two. The Huskers rebound for a nine three win. And uh, you know I've been the resident Hawkeye doubter on this podcast. Uh, my doubts were were answered in that game because, I mean, they pitched it very well. Mm-hmm. Vasquez was dominant. Uh, she, she threw it well against the Huskers. And, uh, you know, offensively, I think they've got some real questions. But that pitching staff is legitimate, and they showed it uh, last week against the Huskers. Yeah, they're, they're top two pitchers, I would say, and Vasquez and Adams are far and away their best two pitchers. Mm-hmm. After that, there's some question marks who's going to step in and be a, a solid three or four, and that's where you saw Nebraska really take advantage of that in game two. But, man, yeah, Iowa. Yeah, it's the Hawkeye. You know, I look at what they have been able to do in the early part of conference play. They take two at Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had been a believer in the Nittany Lions. They split with Nebraska at home. And then, you know, as if there needed to be any more verification of where they are, they take Northwestern to extra innings in one game, mm-hmm. and then they beat them in another. And so I think the Hawkeyes have enough pitching to compete and they were able to score enough runs in that Sunday game. They, they beat the Hawkeyes or they beat the Wildcats six to five. So that offense on occasion can come through uh, with enough to beat some of the best teams in this conference. You know, Northwestern is the favorite in this league and, and deservedly so, but Iowa has enough offense and a great pitching staff, and you can go pretty far with a great pitching staff and a serviceable offense. Yeah, and that the extra inning game, they they push Northwestern to to the brink. They come back in the second game, and that game was in in reach for sure. Iowa. It wasn't until late where Northwestern really came on and and piled on the runs. And then in game three, it was close, and Iowa was able to pull it out in the last inning, but. Yeah, they're they're hanging around. They're going to spoil someone's postseason hopes. Yeah. That's a team that that will be in a position to play spoiler. I really do believe that. 
Yeah, you're talking about the game two of the Northwestern Iowa series, and uh, Northwestern led that one one nothing through three, and it stayed at one nothing until the seventh inning when Iowa allowed four runs to the Wildcats. So, I mean, that was one nothing game pretty much throughout. Uh, Boyd threw very well for Northwestern, and that one a three hit shutout. But uh, you know, the Hawkeyes are in a hole RPI-wise. They're, they're sitting at 61. I don't think there's enough runway for them to play their way into regional consideration. I mean, you've got to be in the 40s uh, to to watch the selection show feeling like you've got a chance. I, you know, I don't, I don't think they can hop 15, 20 spots in the RPI. But you look at their schedule. They're at Michigan State uh, at the end of this week. Uh, they they host Maryland for three. They're at Minnesota, three against Rutgers. That's a pretty manageable month of April to where they could be in the mix in this conference race and and like you said, could spoil somebody's postseason hopes. Maybe it's Maryland, maybe it's Minnesota. Uh, they end the season at Wisconsin, which I think will have regional implications for Wisconsin. And uh, you never know with that pitching staff. Uh, how how Iowa can come through there. So uh, that back half of the schedule, pretty manageable for Iowa to where they could be a factor in the Big Ten race. Yeah, and it could end up being a situation like Nebraska last year where you, mm-hmm. where you win the tournament, and that's what gets you your automatic berth to the postseason. But looking at RPI right now, there are some teams that are ahead of Iowa that are under 500. Mm-hmm. So I just want to point that out because they're not going to get into the tournament under 500. Sure. So if if you take that into account, mix it up with, you know, your automatic berths and whatnot. Like, I mean, there's a slim chance and I'm going to say very slim. Right. But they're going to have to they're going to have to win a lot of games here down the stretch. Yeah, their margin for error is very small. But, you know, if they I, I think they need a long winning streak to get themselves in a place where they can start thinking about, you know, top 50 RPI. And and then it comes down to a more marginal case. You know, you and I, before we turned on the recorder, we're going through our Big Ten power rankings and, and setting those up. And we'll have those for you later in the podcast you know for me you've got the top two right now in northwestern and indiana you've got the bottom two or three michigan state penn state and purdue though the boilermakers had a good weekend but that middle nine team pack it's it's really there's very little separating three from 11 in this league yeah there's there is not a lot of difference in those teams right now. And I think every week when we do these power rankings, we, you know, it's going to be like, well, uh, who'd you play? Where yeah. were they ranked? Uh, um, I mean, there's just so much movement every week sure. and it's going to be that way for the rest of the season, uh, except for, I think Northwestern at one. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, Michigan state down there at the bottom 14. And then, yeah. y- you know, the, 
Penn State had a bad weekend. We'll we'll talk more about that as we go along here. But uh, but yeah, I the middle of this league is very tightly packed. And you know, we've talked quite a bit from the Iowa perspective. I thought it was important for Nebraska to bounce back in that second game after dropping game one. Uh, get off to bit of a bumpy start. The game tied at one through three. Uh, but then the Homer and Huskers strike again. Brookie Andrews again. Abby Squire hits the ball the other way and out of the ballpark. And, uh, you know, this this offense is very explosive. I don't know that it's consistent enough. It's not an offense on which you can rely to string three hits together, four hits together, five hits together. But, you know, a bloop and a blast is their offense right now. And, and they were able to come up with it in that second game against the Hawkeyes. Yeah, the like you said, it's inconsistent. Yeah, and uh, I mean the the series against Michigan showed it, right? You get run ruled in game one, <laughs> then and then in in return you run rule them, and then in game three, I mean if the book wasn't out already, it is now because the off speed change ups against mm-hmm. Nebraska, there that is their weakness. Yeah, and I know. Th- we saw it against Iowa state too. They struggled with off speed pitches. So I think now is the time for them to look at themselves and say, okay, what do we need to do in game to make the adjustment? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's not, it's not happening. Right. And let's point out Lauren Durkowski's changeup was devastating. I mean, that thing, that thing had break uh, left to right. It, it was a whole lot slower. There was a lot of difference between her fastball and her changeup. So, I mean, everybody's going to have problems with her changeup. But I think you're right in that Nebraska seems to have inordinate difficulty adjusting to a pitcher that can throw the changeup well. Uh, and like you said, these teams scout so extensively that you bet they know that in Maryland. You bet they know that uh, in Indiana and moving forward. So, Uh, That, you know, I'm sure the Husker offense is going to be working hard on that. And and the other thing that's in play is Nebraska's down to one midweek game. They play Creighton later this week. So that means practice time. And that Mm -hmm. means opportunity to work on hitting the changeup, work on adjusting uh, to the changeup, work on scouting more. So that's a good thing. And, And that's a chance for these hitters to find their way against the off-speed pitch and make the adjustment to it. But that has to be on the to-do list. I'm sure it is. Mm-hmm. But I, I that's something this team has to work out before we get much deeper into the season. Yeah, and I think the midweek games, they can help too, right? Mm-hmm. You get on a roll. Example, Indiana, right? Sure, You yeah. get on a roll. You cruise. You have your midweeks that just keep you going. Um, but yeah, there's only one left against Creighton. So, and you look at, I mean, they're the schedule that they have for, for big 10 mm-hmm. is, is not, easy. it's tough. It's, it's absolutely tough. So if they're able to string together a couple of series wins that could help them with going down into the tournament, but ah, man, the next two weeks, Maryland and Indiana, that's tough. Uh, it, it, those are going to be two challenges. You talk about midweek games helping you build momentum. Uh, let's move on to the Michigan series because I thought it was critical for Michigan 
after yes. they lose the series mm-hmm. to Ohio State, first time since 1990, they lose the series to the Buckeyes. And I mean, that's yeah. a rivalry in tiddlywinks <laughs> and, and spitting, let alone sports. And make you feel old. 1990 was before I was born. That does make me feel old. <laughs> I was alive. You know, you know, not very alive, but I was alive. actually I had plenty of energy. Just by a year. It was just by a year. But well, the fact that uh, the fact that that's that's the history that we're chasing now. Well, especially where <laughs> Ohio State's been a good program. It's yeah. one thing when one program's great and the other's terrible. Ohio State's been a middle of the pack mm-hmm. or better Big Ten team for two decades. And yet the fact that they weren't able to sneak a series win against Michigan. I mean, that's astonishing to me. Uh, But at any rate, Ohio State beats Michigan in that series, beats them Monday night to clinch that series. And you wonder where's Michigan's head? Where's their confidence? They hammer Oakland in a midweek game on Wednesday. I think that gave them some momentum as they came out to Lincoln. Yeah, it did. It. I mean, they they really hammered Oakland. But, you know, going forward, that we're looking at Michigan climbing out of the bottom. Because mm-hmm. that's kind of where they've been. They've been kind of, eh, what do we think about Michigan? But bottom half-ish. Yeah. Bottom half. But I really, I feel like here they come. Yeah, and, and that Oakland game gave them a little confidence. Right. And, and kind of took the thumb of pressure and difficulty off of them. Then they come to Lincoln, and that series started out poorly for Nebraska. I mean, the first two batters, Ellie Mattia reaches on an error, and then Lexi Blair reaches on a on a double that gets lost in the sun. And, and so instead of two out, nobody on, you've got runners second and third, nobody out. Michigan sack fly to go up one nothing, RBI single to go up 2 nothing. Then they've got Durkowski in the circle. All the momentum, all their confidence is swinging. And Nebraska played the rest of that series from behind. And and that's just frustrating that you feel like Nebraska opened the door for Michigan. They had to walk through it. And and boy, did they, especially on Friday. But the Wolverines built up a little momentum on Wednesday. And then with some help from Nebraska, charged through on Friday and, and really dictated the terms of the rest of that series. Yeah. And I, I think for the first time, what I saw in Nebraska was a little bit of um, just mental mistakes. Mm-hmm. I think, I don't think they, they haven't been in that position of playing from behind in a while. Sure. I mean, they've been, they've been doing very well lately, but being behind like that, throwing to bags where yeah. maybe they could get the out, like I, I, the one play that stuck out to me was actually on Sunday, and mm-hmm. Kaneda threw the ball home to try to get a runner out. Yeah. Runner was safe instead of getting the automatic out at first base. Oh, I'm glad you brought that that up because that was kind of the end of a of a bad sequence for Nebraska on Sunday. Because you know, first off. In the third inning, Nebraska's up one nothing. You feel good. Uh, Sidney Gray had just hit a home run. So, uh, you know, you had gotten a lead on Lauren Durkowski. Yes, it's one run, but, boy, you take yeah. that lead <laughs> with Lauren Durkowski. Uh, so Nebraska's up one nothing. You go to the third, and after L.A. Mattia gets a single, okay, tip your cap, fine. 
Lexi Blair rips a double to left center. I don't know that Brooke Andrews played the ball off the wall the best, but then she picks up the ball, and as she tries to throw it, the ball slips out of her hands. So maybe you have a shot at Matai at the plate. Maybe you don't. You give them that one run, whatever. So it at worst, it should be tied at one. Instead, ball slips out of Andrews' hands. It's 2-1 Michigan. Then in the fourth inning, you go single-single with Sealer and Alacqua. And then before the Canada ball, you had a ground ball back to Sarah Harness. And with one out, I would think you play it to first. You just get the out. Get the out. And especially with a good runner and sealer going second to third instead. And and from what I understand, the dugout and, and everybody was telling her, play it to third. She plays it to third, throw is late. So instead of two out, second and third, you've got bases loaded, one out. That ends Harness's day in the circle. Courtney Wallace comes out of the bullpen, throws the wild pitch to allow run three to score. Then the play you brought up. But. It just goes to show the butterfly effect of if you play it to the wrong base, not only do you give up a run or a base, but it opens the door for more. I didn't think Kaneda's decision to throw it home was the worst. No, She was pulled in, but at the same time, if you do things right before that, she's not in the position to take that big a risk. And, And so, but you're right in your general point that this team made a bunch of mental mistakes defensively, especially the two games they lost. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it's a feeling where, you know, Michigan doesn't need help. Even this Michigan team, they don't need help. They don't need you to give them things. And yet at home, good crowds should be an advantage situation for Nebraska. Nebraska gave them some things open the door for them, and Michigan has enough talent to charge through. At this point in the season, if you give a team opportunities, they're going to take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, Michigan doesn't need help, and but that's a team that's good and will take advantage of any opportunity that's given to them. So if you give give them a base, they'll, they're going to take two. Right. Give them a run, it's going to turn into two. Yep. So – like yeah, we've talked about the mental mistakes. The play play at third. That's knowing your. That's just knowing the speed of the runner, right? right? I mean that that's that goes back to youth softball and knowing right. the speed of the runners, knowing knowing where your sure out is. Now, if everyone's telling her to go three, she's gonna listen and go right. three. But that's, I mean, you gotta you gotta just look at that play and be like, oh, okay, what. Yeah. Next time, let's make sure we get that shirt out because they compounded and and then it just it got went from bad to worse. Right now, we we've been fairly negative toward Nebraska, and I, I think it's fair in a mm-hmm. in in a week that was disappointing. Uh, but one positive that I think deserves some light is the way Courtney Wallace pitched on Saturday because uh, after Michigan hit her pretty hard. Uh, she comes out on Saturday, you know, less than 24 hours later, comes out, throws a one-hit shutout in five innings, and pitched really well for this team, effectively. I don't know that it was well. It felt like she was behind. It felt like, 
you know, she didn't really have her thumb on Michigan, but she was able to get a lot of soft contact. And as a result, was able to hold down the Michigan lineup. So it was very important that Nebraska get at least one game out of that series. And because of what Courtney Wallace was able to do, they did. I mean, she held them to one hit. Yeah. So that's the Courtney that I think everyone has been wanting to see consistently. Um, I think the one thing that we've been worried about with her is overuse Mm -hmm. and her stamina. And she's leading the Big Ten in innings right now. Right. So she's got almost 130 innings pitched. I think she's sitting at 129 and some Mm -hmm. change. But that's a lot of innings. And then you look at Sarah Harness. She's in the 60s. Yeah, and unfortunately, Sarah's not been able to maintain the consistency. We talked about uh, that that sequence uh, in the fourth inning mm-hmm. on Sunday, and that ended her day in the circle after she had started out pretty well for the Huskers. I mean, she had given up a couple of hits. Uh, the the two runs in the in the third inning uh, kind of marred her line, but really, she pitched she. For the first three innings, she pitched fairly well. She pitched well enough to keep you in that game. And she's going to need to do a little more than that. The good news is that, you know, she like the offense, she's got a whole week to sharpen herself up, yeah. to build some confidence in the bullpen, and to hopefully get herself in a mental place where she can come out and and, and pitch basically a whole game. Because that's what... That's what Nebraska needs out of her right now is to be able to hand her the ball on Saturday and say, okay, we're not taking it from you yeah. a- a- and feel like they've got a chance to win because they've given her the ball. And unfortunately at this point and, and really for the last month, that's not been the case. And that's been one of the big things holding this team back. Yeah. If you look at what Harness has done this season, she's, started 15 games, appeared in 18, but only has four complete games under Mm -hmm. her belt. You take that, you look at Courtney Wallace. uh, That's appearing in 28 games, starting 19. Mm -hmm. But of those 19 starts, she's completed 13 of them. Right. She's been reliable. Uh, She's, you know, and give Courtney a ton of credit for how she's fought. Yeah. Like, like that's the biggest thing about her. She physically coming off the bus. She doesn't look like a pitcher flat out, you know, <laughs> and, and I say that with full respect, right? Because she comes out, you know, she's not very big. She's not that imposing figure. She comes out and she fights mm-hmm. and she competes and, and she gives you everything she has. Uh, and, and pitches like she should be about five, nine and, and stronger, but you know, unfortunately, there does come a, a breaking point, and this is going to be a story over the next couple of weeks. I think how much gas does Courtney Wallace have in the tank, and can Kalen Kinney come back? Because we're nearing the back end of the six-week window that was kind of the front part of her recovery window after her hand surgery, after the uh, New Mexico state series, her recovery is pretty important right now. And her ability to come back and pitch well is very important right now, because if she's able to come back, then that reduces what you're asking of harness and also takes a lot of workload off of her, takes a lot of, of mental load off of her. And, And it feels like harnesses season 
really took a turn for the worse when Kenny went down. And the realization was it's just you and, and Wallace. Yeah, but also I think we, we also got to look at Kendall Mangle this weekend mm-hmm. again that in her fourth appearance of the year. But for for the pitching staff, unfortunately, yeah, the, the Kenny injury has yeah. just derailed the momentum that they were on right. and, and that they were carrying into conference play because she was such a she was such a she was such a good pitcher. Right. right? She, it it she, seemed like she had arrived. She had arrived. And and then you you look at where they're at now with the number three in Mangle. And she hasn't had a – she's given up runs in every single time. Right. Every single time. She she is a mop-up pitcher right now. She yeah. could develop into more for this team. But right now, she's a mop-up pitcher. And so if you've only got two that you can rely on, both have to be sharp. And unfortunately – you know, harness has not had that sharpness that Nebraska needs. No. And the other thing I look at when, when I'm looking at both of these pitchers in their weekends um, is their control. Mm-hmm. And that's the one, that's one of the things that has stood out to me throughout this entire season so far is their strikeout to walk ratio mm-hmm. and wild pitches and hit by pitch. Mm-hmm. And, I would hope that both pitchers are around like a two to one strikeout to walk ratio, and they're they're not. Right. Uh, it's it's like maybe it's not even one and a half to one. It's so it that's tough, and both are in double digit hit by pitch. Mm-hmm. And now one one caveat to that is that both pitchers, and especially Wallace. Pitch to contact. Yes. So so you're not going to get many strikeouts from either, but you're right in that the free bases have been a concern. And especially when you're a pitch to contact type of pitcher, you know, you, you put somebody on those ground balls you give up, one of them's going to find a hole. Right. And and so they're more susceptible to damage from free passes. Yeah. It- I understand that part, you know, the pitch to contact, you're not going to get as many strikeouts. So our ratio isn't going to be exactly where we want it to be. But still, I think when you look overall, having, you know, 59 walks, 47 walks, um, that's still, that's still too high. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. So that's our look at the weekend for the Huskers the past weekend. Let's take a look ahead to the upcoming weekend as Nebraska gets set to head out east to take on the Maryland Terrapins. And Mark Montgomery is their head coach, and he's done a fine job in rebuilding the Terps softball program in his uh, four years leading Maryland softball. And Coach Montgomery joins us today. And first off, Coach, uh, what have you seen from your team through the first 30 or so games of the year? Um, well, I, I think we have improved. Um, you know, it's um, the first year I got here was COVID, so it was a little shortened. Didn't kind of know how to make out everything. Second year, we uh, we added a piece or two, but it was Big Ten only, so I don't know that that was the optimal time to start a job. But um, last year, we improved a lot, ended up having a, a, a kind of a poor non-conference, but a really good conference kind of set. And and then this year, hopefully we're putting all the pieces together, but uh, it's still early, still a lot of conference games to go, but uh, you know, we had a hiccup at Indiana uh, first weekend. Of course, it looks like a lot of teams are having hiccups against <laughs> Indiana. So uh, good for them. 
But, uh, you know, I mean, we, we played him really close. One game should have won it. Second game, it just kind of got out of hand early, and then everything that could go wrong went wrong, and, and we just ended up having a bad day at the office. But I thought the kids regrouped nicely, and we put a really nice series on the field against Michigan State, and so I'm looking forward to it. But, but overall season, we, we've had some big wins early in the season against some quality opponents, and, and, and we've not lost anybody that we shouldn't lose to. So, you know, I, I think from a body of work standpoint, we, we've done a good job of positioning ourselves well for postseason, provided we can keep up the good work in conference. And you talk about some of those big wins early at Oregon, Oklahoma State. You went down to Mexico and and took care of business down there. What was that like for your girls, A, to experience Mexico and Puerto Vallarta, but B, to win those big games and then come home with that momentum? Yeah, I think it was huge. Um, You know, it's such a special place to play. Uh, It's an elite tournament with elite talent. So that that makes it a great setting. uh, obviously it's, it's almost paradise as far as the pictures and the beach and all that kind of stuff are concerned. And, um, but it's, it's such a great cultural experience for the kids. Um, they realize that they don't need big stadiums to play, give us a patch of grass and some dirt and we can get after it. And, and, um, and, and to, to experience that, to experience the, um, you know, a lot of these kids wouldn't have gotten passports. They never would have left the country. Uh, so we've created maybe a whole set of international travelers. And, and I like that because I think that that ultimately uh, is something that's going to help them grow um, in, in their own world as they go on beyond softball. So uh, we're proud of all the things that that Port of Arta tournament brings. And, and uh, certainly I feel like um, we were able to go in without much expectations on us and, and just roll out the ball and let's get after it and play. And, and I think people were able to see that we, we, we're building something here and we're excited about it. Chatting with Mark Montgomery, the head coach of the Maryland Terrapins here on Behind the Plate. And uh, Marin uh, mentioned the big non-conference wins. The, the highlight of that weekend was the 11-6 win on Sunday against Oklahoma State, uh, also the win against Oregon. But you, you mentioned your team struggled in non-conference last year. How big was it? especially week one, to get big wins, to beat nationally ranked, nationally known competition, to build some confidence for the rest of your non-conference? No, I, I think it's huge. I, I think anytime you open with those kind of games, you you have the ability to lick your wounds if you take a couple of losses, but you also have the ability to to really set the tone for what you're trying to accomplish going forward. And I feel like we were able to do that. You know, first game out against Oregon and and, uh, you know, I'm asking a freshman to come in and close out the game. And and who knows how she's going to do? She did well, but but you don't always know. Uh, we asked a shortstop to be able to play against Oklahoma State and Oregon and, and as well as others and, and kind of be a key contributor out there at, at that position. And and uh, she excelled. Uh, she made tough plays against tough competition. But again, as a freshman, you don't always know how they're going to do. So, you know, what we were able to see is some of our younger kids grow up. We were able to see some of our older kids lead and and certainly become the type of players that we think they're capable of becoming. You mentioned a freshman coming in and saving that game against Oregon, and she's gone on to lead the conference in saves. And she's not just leading the conference. She's up there right in the NCAA in division one first in division one right now. Uh, you know, the, the conference records at 10, she's standing with nine right now. So the hope is that she, uh, she can get, get there 
you know, as the season goes on. We we don't force the issue. I could have brought her in for some cheap saves here or there where where she we, she could have come in and gotten the record. But we try to use her when we need her. If the other pitcher is doing well and we're still in control, then we stay with what we got. Um, and and it's nice. It's nice having two senior arms in, in Courtney Weish and Trinity Schlotterbeck that can hold down the fort most of the time. But but it's so nice now that they neither one have to get up for the other one over the course of a weekend. So if it's Trinity's day off and she's not supposed to pitch, I don't have to get her up just because Courtney may have worked herself into some trouble. Uh, you've got a kid that can handle that. And and that that's really has kind of been a big addition for us this year is having that, that third pitcher that can come in and throw those key moments. You're speaking of Kiera, and forgive me if I blow the pronunciation here, Buker? Booker. Booker. It's actually just, it, it is, it's just Kira Booker. Kira but, Booker. But, but here's the thing. We all call her K-Bar. So, uh, <laughs> there you like go. so that's, it's easy. That's her nickname and we run with it. So uh, uh, that keeps uh, everybody from mispronouncing it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, you mentioned your pitching staff, you've pitched to a two five eight ERA uh, at the beginning of this week. And uh, the fact that you're able to, to not only have Booker on call in the bullpen, but also alternate Schlotterbeck and White. Kind of compare and contrast with those two, uh, What really what those three pitchers bring to the table for you. Yeah, well, Courtney throws hard. And so she has good stuff, and she throws a good drop and uh, a drop curve and and uh, can work a good screwball, and then she has an amazing changeup. So when you're throwing 70 miles per hour and then you can dial the changeup into 55, um, yeah, I'm not even sure I can throw overhand 55 anymore. So she, um, she does an amazing job of, of, of giving that, um, Trinity works more down, but Trinity's big step forward this year has been that she's been able to add an off-speed pitch or two. So as she's gotten better and better, it's because she's able to keep hitters off balance longer. Um, so that's been her big thing. Um, she can work curve screw drop but but she's added a little bit of a rise ball just to change planes and then ultimately that the off-speed stuff is really what's elevated her game and then um k-bar is just so dramatically different she throws um a hard enough kind of drop ball i don't even know that it's really we we, we kind of refer to it as the x pitch more than anything else it, it she throws it inside outside and locates but it's hard and it's got a little tail of a drop to it so it's hard for people to barrel up but her key's the change up uh, and it's a really good, it's like next level good. So she's able to throw that at any count at any time. And so if you're somebody who's seeing a 65 mile an hour drop from Trent, or you're seeing a 72 mile an hour pitch from Courtney, and then all of a sudden in the sixth inning, here comes in K-Bar throwing a, you know, a 42 mile an hour change up. That's, that's a tough adjustment. And so it really allows us to, to be able to, to play with that and, and throw hitters timing off and and that's the reason the pitching is elevated um you know and and again we're playing tougher competition so um some people are going to hit it and but um but you know we're, we're certainly proud of what they've done and with those two pitchers so trinity and courtney both earned player of the week nods uh on monday from the big 10 courtney with pitcher of the week and trinity as a as a co-player of the week at just how special is that to get to get both of them that kind of nod at this point in the season? Well, it is. We we hadn't won many of those awards when I got here to Maryland, so you know, being able to start getting a few in the course of the season's nice. And and um, you know, we've had others that 
have been very deserving over the course of the season. Uh, even this last weekend, Michaela Jones was one of our players. And I think she went five for seven with three triples and a double and, and had four free passes, either walks or hit by pitch. Her on-base percentage was over 800. And, and so, I mean, it, you know, I think she could have easily won uh, as well as trends. So having players perform week in and week out at such a high caliber level that they're being considered for uh, conference awards, I, I think special. And, and, and certainly that we're, we're something we're proud of that, that it's helping to, gr- again, grow this Maryland softball program to the level that we want it to be. Chatting with Mark Montgomery, the head coach of the Maryland Terrapins. They're getting set for a three-game series against Nebraska. You talk about growing Maryland softball. Last year, you guys finished fifth in the conference. You do not get a regional bid. Three teams under you in the conference standings uh, did go to regionals. is making regionals, has that been something that's been a, a, a motivational point, something you guys are talking about in your program to help grow Maryland softball, or is it something uh, that, that you hope just kind of takes care of itself as you improve day to day? Well, I, I think it's in between. I, you know, we, we certainly mention it, right? It's, it's a goal that we talk about at the beginning of the season, but we don't live chasing goals. Uh, we live very much process oriented um, day to day. Did we play at the best level that we were capable of playing? Did we do the things we needed to do to try to win a game? If we didn't, what can we do better? Um, and if we stay process oriented instead of always chasing goals, I, I think it's very helpful. That being said, yeah, a regional is going to get you on more of a national scale. If you're going to regionals, you're going to get better recruits. I mean, it, it's, it's all part and parcel, but um, we talk about it. Um, and then we just get back to the grind and trying to make sure that uh, we're, we're being the best version of ourselves on and off the field. We, we really work a lot on character and, and making sure that we, we do things the right way, we treat people the right way, we act the right way, and, and then we play the right way. And if we can do all of that as, as on a day-in and day-out basis, then, then I, I think the regional will happen just because it's, 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 it's who we are, who we're becoming. You talk about recruits. I don't think we could go through an interview without mentioning your your big recruit and Jada McFarland. I know she you were recruiting her uh, at Louisiana Tech and and she came with you to Maryland. So 2021 Big Ten Freshman of the Year last year. She's an all Big Ten first team. She's leading your team and hitting just how special of a player is she? Oh, extraordinary. Right. She's not many people can really say they have a five tool player. We all like to say those type things, but but Jada is a five-tool player. She she brings everything to the table. In addition to that, she brings work ethic. Um, she's a straight-A student. I don't think she's made a B while here at Maryland. Um, I mean, she's just – she's an incredible role model for young ladies to have. And I'm extremely proud of her. She was my first recruit here. There were already recruits committed here that we, we gladly accepted and have, and they're still doing great things for us. But Jada was my first one, so great to bring her in. My second one, believe it or not, is having a great year this year for us too, and that was Amelia Leck, who we brought in the next year, who uh, struggled a little bit her freshman year, uh, but has finally become the player that we thought she would become as well. So, you know, watching those two kids kind of grow into to becoming special players, it, it's, it's fun because both of those kids were committed to me at Louisiana Tech and both chose to follow me to Maryland. And, and uh, I think both are having uh, outstanding careers and uh, hopefully we'll get the, uh, 
the true all regional and, and maybe all American honors that they, they deserve. Well, they've certainly put up great numbers and gotten the season off to, you say, good start, but really we're two-thirds of the way through the season, believe it or not. And uh, we'll be excited to see the progress that you've made with your program this weekend uh, against Nebraska. Coach Montgomery, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys very much. Thanks to Coach Mark Montgomery, the head coach of the Maryland Terrapins, for joining us here on uh, Behind the Plate with Marin and Nate. It's now time to flip the switch. It's time for the Big Ten Power Rankings, and I think we've got some shuffling in both of our lists. Let's go with your uh, top three. Top three, Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland. Ooh, okay. All right, well, I was in in agreement with you on the first two. I'm not troubled by by Northwestern's loss at Iowa. So the Cats are still number one. You know, Northwestern, I've I've been late to buy into them. They've won 20 games in a row. I mean, 20 games in a row. They're (laughs) 8-0 in the league. They beat, they swept a good Ohio State team at home this week. They swept Maryland uh, the first week of conference play. 28th in the RPI. I can't wait anymore. I can't. I can't deny that Indiana is one of the top teams in this conference. Now, I think they're playing to the utmost of their capabilities, but right now they're the second best team in this league. And then this is probably recency bias on my part, but I've got Michigan third. And I know, I know their record doesn't say it. Okay. But I think they got a shot of adrenaline uh, from beating Nebraska in a series. Uh, They're at Michigan State this week, and then, you know, they take on a struggling Illinois team this weekend. They're at Purdue after that. They've got a chance to get some things going. Now, the end of the month, home against Northwestern, home against Indiana. Pretty tall task. But up until then, they've got a chance to get rolling. That program, once they get an infusion of confidence, I feel good about where they're going. So Michigan, three for me. Okay. All, All right. right. How about the uh, rest of the top half for you? So the rest of the top half, we're looking at Nebraska, Ohio State, Iowa, Minnesota, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've got the Huskers at four pensively. Uh, I, need, I, I, I need to see a good weekend out in Nebraska, Maryland, to keep them at four. And I've got Maryland at five kind of for the same reason. I, I, I think this weekend series is very, very important in trying to sort Maryland and Nebraska out and trying to figure out where those two teams are. Uh, so Nebraska four, Maryland five, Wisconsin is six for me. And I, I have kind of a tough time feeling them out. They're 45th in the RPI. Uh, they've won two of three in each of their first two weekends. Um, the pitching staff's pretty unreliable for them. Their offense is really good, uh, as you would expect. I just don't quite know what to do with Wisconsin, but I feel like they, they fit about perfectly right about at the, at the split point of the half of the conference. Uh, and then I've go, got Ohio state at seven. I mean, you beat Michigan and you follow it up by getting swept by Indiana. And I know, I'm I'm high on Indiana, but you feel like Ohio State ought to get a game there. Yeah, I feel like they they should have won a game. Um, 
I dropped them a spot. You have to think about the whole Indiana thing right now. Is they're just, just on they're, a roll. Yeah. yeah. I can't fault them a whole lot, but I do. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. All right. Uh, next four for you. So eight through 11. So like you said, Wisconsin kind of at the split. This mm-hmm. is So Wisconsin, Rutgers, Penn State are my next three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Wisconsin, I... I dropped them last week when they dropped a game to Michigan State. Yeah. And I just felt like that was that was a series that should have been a sweep. Mm-hmm. And uh, so here they are right now. I, I dropped them another spot. Okay. So I've got Iowa at a maybe recency bias part two. Maybe me finally, finally, finally buying into your Hawkeyes. I think I've had them 10, 12, somewhere in that neighborhood <laughs> all year. Like I said, their pitching staff's terrific. Uh, I don't know that they've got enough bats to finish in the top half of the league, but that pitching staff will keep them in a lot of games, uh, and I feel good about sort of their direction. Minnesota 9, and maybe this is a little low for me. They took 2 of 3 from Penn State. Um, Their RPI is really strong, yeah, 34. Uh, So maybe I'm getting fooled by a tougher non-conference schedule. I've got them at 9. That might change uh, as as we go along here. The Gophers, um, you know, they have Indiana this week, and nobody's beaten yeah. them lately. <laughs> but then at Michigan uh, State, uh, so you feel like they've got a chance to get things going here before too long. Uh, Rutgers is 10. You know, that's another team. I just don't know what to do with them. I mean, they lose two of three to Purdue at home. Mm-hmm after sweeping an Illinois team that I was pretty high on. Uh, Rutgers' RPI is pretty weak. Their non-conference schedule was pretty weak. But they keep winning. Right. Uh, you know, this week notwithstanding. Uh, so maybe 10's about the right spot for them, give or take. Um, but I, I, I just, I can't tell you whether I think they're good or not. Right. And I have Rutgers at 10 too. So I feel like that's a, it's a comfortable spot for them. Mm -hmm. We just, we haven't gotten a good gauge on what Rutgers is. And I think Mm -hmm. part of that comes with when we saw them go to Florida and face the ranked competition, it wasn't close. Right. And so that's, that's the gauge, right? You're like, okay, here's where they are when they play the ranked competition. And here's where they are when they play teams that are maybe the same or weaker right so they're beating teams they should beat and they're losing to teams they should lose to right and that that talent level just isn't quite there yet there's some progress being made in that program but it's just not quite there yet right all right uh round it out for me if you would penn state purdue illinois michigan state Mm mm-hmm yeah, I'm selling Penn State. I, you know, I I believed in their pitching staff. Um, I I thought that pitching staff could really do some big things for them this year. I, you know what? You've got to find a way to win. And right now, you're two and four in the league. You're at Northwestern this week. Doubleheader home against Ohio State. That's a that's a tall task. So for me, you know, Penn State just doesn't have a lot of of runway right now. Um, if I round out my rankings, Illinois is 11 and, you know, I, I'd bought into the Illini. I thought the Illini were going to be pretty competitive this year. 
they brought back a ton, but that's another team that just hasn't won. I mean, you're one and five in the league. Uh, you play Northwestern in the midweek, and then you're at Michigan, at Northwestern, Ohio State at home. That's a heck of a three-week yeah. span for Illinois. I just don't know where they're gonna where they're gonna get things going in the right direction. And, and so the Illini are in some trouble. I mean, they were a team that I was pretty sure was going to go to regionals this year, but 71st in the RPI right now, uh, only. Only one conference win with a tough schedule ahead. I just don't see it happening. Uh, Purdue's 12 uh, going out to beautiful Piscataway, New Jersey, uh, and taking two of three from Rutgers, and that majestic setting is notable. Uh, but, you know, on the whole, I've just not been seeing a whole lot from Purdue this year. I mentioned Penn State. I sold them at 13, and then Michigan State uh, sitting at 14, as usual. So... That rounds out our power rankings, and that closes out our podcast. We hope you join us next week as uh, we review the Huskers' trip out to Maryland and the third week of Big Ten play. Behind the plate with Marin and Nate, I'm Nate Rohr for Marin Angus Combs. Thanks for joining us. A Hoodat Media Production.